start as, as little as it is, start early. And that's the message when it comes to just about everything. If the things that we do feel like they're not moving the needle enough, just imagine if you kept doing them for 10 years. It's one of my business partner's favorite things to remind me. We overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in 10. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another amazing guest interview here on the Profit With Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and I have a treat for you. Not every day do we have somebody who comes in here and and uh, is a, a, a partner of a firm or or is a um, shareholder in a firm and is not an attorney. And that is uh, the guest that we have today. And it's going to give you a inside look at uh, what the legal industry might turn into over time. And I'm really excited to have this conversation because uh, often when I talk to attorneys about this, uh, many of them get very um, upset. They spent all this time and effort going through uh, law school. They should have the, the right to exclusive ownership of a law firm. And the reality is, is that um, it doesn't take away from the legal title. If anything, it makes you think differently about the business. It makes you think about how the business should operate as a business. Because the reality is, is that the attorney, not to take away from your ownership, but the attorney um, is simply a widget, right? It's it's a piece of inventory that you sell. You sell the attorney's skills and, and time to the client and the reality is, is that that's not what makes the business. What makes the business is getting clients and serving those clients. And it doesn't require a um, a JD to have the capacity to do that. And the more that we open our minds to the, the idea that there are other people out there who might be able to not only run a law firm, but maybe even run it better than we can. Um, the sooner that we can come to grasp with this with this concept of what is possible for the law firm and the law firm owners who are paying attention can start to see what those other people who come into the industry might do. Like if you think about it, you know, if a marketer came in and joined me as a partner in my firm, what would they do differently in the marketing than what I'm doing? If a uh, somebody who was focused on data came in and became a partner in my law firm, what would they do differently to operate our law firm than what I'm doing today? And we start wearing that hat and start thinking that way. That is what is going to help us to get the ideas of where we need to go next, where we need to focus our time, effort, and energy in the growth of our firm to, make, to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace and to make ourselves a um, not only different law firm, but better, uh, leaner, more profitable, and certainly um, on a faster growth track. And all of that is possible by just paying attention to 
what is happening and what is what is going to come um and it's 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 long overdue it's a long time coming um it's the only industry that i know of um that in most states cannot be owned by somebody else um you know even um medical practices uh, and uh, and uh, CPA or or uh, accounting practices um, are a lot more lax in you know who can who can own them uh, and and we see that we we can look at these other industries to see the movement to see where uh, it's been going what the direction it's been taking I and mean, you can look at um, uh, just the, the consolidation of hospitals and the consolidation of, I mean, if you look around, like how many solo practitioner or small practitioner doctor's offices are there anymore? Um, they're all getting bought out by these, these larger, uh, clinic based, um, you know, doc in the box kind of practices, uh, and this relationship that we used to have with the family physician has gone by the wayside. And that's happening. That's going to happen in the legal industry, too. And we have to figure out how to stay ahead of it. We have to figure out how to prepare for that. And that's why I'm excited to have our guest today. If you're interested in learning more about our elite lawyer program, it all starts with an absolutely free coaching session. So you can book a free coaching session with my coaching staff um, where they will spend um, the time with you to help you understand and uh, and overcome the things that might be getting in your way of achieving your success. Uh, you'll leave that coaching session invigorated and inspired to be able to continue moving in the right direction. Now, in full disclosure, at the end of that coaching session, they're going to potentially offer you the opportunity to join our elite lawyer coaching program. That is the only way that you can get into that. Um, so if that's something that interests you, if you would like some help along the way, uh, then go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching, profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching takes you right to a calendar booking link. You got to answer some questions on a form there, grab a spot on the calendar and there's absolutely no commitment. You just have that coaching session, see how you feel, and then decide whether you want to continue the ride with us. Our guest today is Kerry Kobe White. She's co-founder and CEO of Kerry James, a consulting firm providing growth-hungry law firms with custom intake and data solutions that improve lead conversions, save time, and propel growth. In 2022, Kerry and her partner founded, founded Bright Capital, which invests in companies in the legal industry. Additionally, Carrie and her partner are shareholders in a personal injury firm themselves. A graduate of NYU's Steinhardt School and a member of the Board of Trusted Legal Partners, Carrie works with new attorneys to develop skills and practices that grow their professional brand and increase case acquisition. She frequently speaks on the small, consistent strategies that compounded over time result in deeply satisfying careers. As CEO of Carrie James, Kerry works closely within the industry to build new relationships and connect attorneys and colleagues to trusted partners that help them move the needle in their business. It's her personal belief that technology must be leveraged in ways that enable firms to do the important work of seeking justice, supporting clients, and growing organizations that serve their communities. Kerry, welcome to the show. Quite an intro, Moshe. Thank you. I'm so glad that you you've tipped that you you've uh, tipped this conversation off beautifully because I I really do want to emphasize um, one of the things you said there about this shifting moment in the legal industry um, and and where you ended with my uh, kind of pitch that we want these attorneys to have satisfying careers 
seeking justice. And I think that's why most people went into law in the first place. And so this idea of newcomers in the industry that don't have a JD, we can look at as a really exciting opportunity to focus on the, the primary skill set that the attorney has in building a satisfying career and welcome in these other folks who may now with some skin of the game really propel that growth and take the business side of the law firm in a new direction. So I think it's a very exciting time. Yes, I love that. And I want to dive into how you came about to be a shareholder. But before we do that, uh, I like to tee off with an easy question. There's our listeners out there may or may not have heard of you. Uh, most of them probably haven't. And they want to know who you are. I gave you a little, you know, pre-written intro, but uh, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your background, your story, how you got to where you are. And uh, we'll we'll jump off of there. And I think we're, the first place we're going to go is just to to understand how you ended up becoming a shareholder in a law firm. Well, that's part's interesting. Um, as I, as you mentioned in my bio, there I am a natural connector. Um, don't forget, people. I love meeting people. I love strangers, and so um, I've had the great opportunity over the last several years of of meeting a ton of folks in the industry. And as any good uh, business developing attorney will know, when you meet people and build relationships, you push your brand. And uh, those relationships have have netted into some really interesting business opportunities for my partner and I. Uh, we were one of the lucky 17 applications to get through the uh, innovation sandbox in the state of Utah, which welcomed new business models uh, for the legal industry as sort of a, uh, a a test market to see what sort of policies should be made around uh, around the legal industry. And, and it is a very interesting conversation for attorneys to have with non-attorneys because it has been, to your point, a safely guarded uh, private club. And you know the fact that the bars have been the only folks really weighing in on what happens in the industry um, makes this particular sandboxed uh, innovation uh, concept unique for the state of Utah and really an opportunity to see if we can use these tools to do what really is important and that's expand justice. So uh, it was through a, a, a relationship with a with an attorney that my business partner and I uh, shared our vision for how we would grow a law firm and how we work with firms to, to do just that. And uh, this opportunity meant that we could really put our money where our mouth was and go through the exercise of implementing all the strategies, systems, and uh, and growth plans that we've set out to do with our clients and put our own firm to the test. So it's been uh, our own innovation lab, you might call it. Uh, and I do think it's very much an eye-opener for attorneys who we know from many, many years of, of hearing it that attorneys aren't business leaders. They, they weren't trained in growing a business. That's just not part of the law school curriculum. They're trained to think like an attorney and they do a great job doing that. Uh, But it does put them at a disadvantage if they're going to be competing with law firms that now have CEOs and financial experts and marketing experts and technology experts, which all make for a really great business. And that should be an exciting opportunity, again, for the attorney to focus on the the, the passion of, of serving justice. Um, So I think it's an opportunity that we should embrace. And I don't think we really have a choice but to. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that um, if if we really pull the the curtains back and say, like, what what is changing in, you know, in this environment, if we allow other people to come in, it's really capital. 
right? Like if, if we, because if we look at any attorney could go out and hire a top technologist, any can, you know, hire a top CEO, hire a top CMO, right? You can go out and hire these people. You don't have to be partners with them. They don't have to be, have an ownership stake and you can do what we're saying is going to end up happening. But the difference is, is that you don't have the typical attorney law firm owner doesn't have access to the amount of capital required to bring on all of this top talent. And when you allow ownership to be shared, all of a sudden it unlocks the vast resources of the overall investment industry um, to throw capital at at law firms that, you know, to, to try and figure out the business model that's going to work best and, you know, and how to, how to monetize the game better than it's been monetized so far. You don't seem to agree with me. Yeah, well, I, I, I know. And, and there's, there's, there's so many conversations, Moshe, in, in just that little, little bit right there. Um, The influx of capital in the industry is, is having a huge impact and it, it needs to be acknowledged. Um, an attorney once described the mass tort industry to me as a stock market only for attorneys. And so I think this moment in time, we we do have to be very mindful of the influence of capital um, when it comes to the, you know, the, the, the number of nuclear verdicts that we're seeing, uh, the, 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 the non-attorney investor relationship to the case. I mean, there's a lot to consider. Uh, that that's a whole entirely different conversation, to be quite honest. Um, what I think is a more interesting uh, way to look at this partnership, in particular, is of social commentary. You know, we're seeing the rise of the power of the employee. Um, I think every law firm out there right now knows how darn hard it is to get good employees to keep them. Um, and this idea that there is a shared ownership, I really do think, could be the future. I mean, we're looking at this social shift in which people are saying, hey, the wealthy people are making all the money, but we are part of this. We are making this happen. And I think that this kind of comes after, you know, there's no secret that the the rise in the cost of generating leads is because attorneys race to the top. Okay. So in that case, you saw marketing teams now suddenly saying like, we're, we're helping them get all these cases and they're making tons of money on it. Where, where, what's in it for me? And so this idea of a shared interest in growth, I think again, can be very, very exciting. Now, if you're the attorney, you're saying, well, wait a second, you know, I used to, I used to get all the spoils. Well, this is a shift. Um, but I think if and any, any entrepreneur and, and I'm sure most of the people listening to, to you right now will agree, no one's ever going to work harder for you than they will work for themselves. And so this idea of of having equity could be a really interesting model in growing the, the the perfect law firm, one in which everybody is utilizing their skills. And I think we have to acknowledge that the skills needed today in marketing, in intake, in uh, finance, they're really deep skills. And we have to expect that the people we hire have a great depth of knowledge in that one area. And so maybe not kind of hire these jack of all trades, but really hire specialists. And if we build a team of uniquely specialized professionals who have a vested interest in the success of the firm, then perhaps we can take this thing to whole new levels. And that's certainly where our thinking is. Um, but I do think it's it's a moment in time that attorneys need to be aware that, you know, if you look at the 
the technology adoption curve, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. You know, those folks who are standing outside the Apple store ready to buy the new iPhone the day it's released, those, those are your early adopters. You don't find too many attorneys in that stage of, tech, of technology adoption, for, a, for, uh, for example. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're one of the attorneys who is on that end of the spectrum because the attorneys have their own spectrum when it comes to adopting these new new strategies, new ideas and concepts in, in, in industry. And as attorneys who the industry moving rather slowly historically can say, hey, let's turn around and look at other industries to see what they're doing and how they're winning. And if we look at how other industries are winning, we can be early adopter attorneys, even though we might not be early adopters in general. So there's opportunity here for, for the folks who are listening to a podcast like this, for sure, because you are the ones who are saying, what do I need to be focused on right now? Yeah, it's interesting because it's really all professional services that have been playing catch up in the technology mm -hmm. game. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm also a paramedic. So I, you know, I, I have firsthand view and experiences and, in, in, you know, how they're working. And and believe it or not, in the 911 system where I, where, where I work, we didn't go to electronic PCRs or patient care reports until uh, I think it was six or seven years ago. And it's mind boggling to think about that. Like, yeah. you know, IBM or, or you know, Microsoft has, had gotten rid of paper 20 years before that. Totally. And we were still writing reports by hand when triplicate copy, leaving a copy at the hospital and bringing a copy, you know, two copies back to the station, one for filing to Medicare and one for our records. Right. Like oh. it just is insane. It, it is shocking how yeah. how backwards it is. And and the legal industry is no different. I had a yeah. conversation with an attorney um maybe two years ago where we were talking about me uh, you know coming on as a consultant to help him um you know move his his firm forward and they didn't have practice management software and they were like five attorneys in the office and it was mind-boggling to me like what are you doing like you're keeping written time cards on your desk like like how like <laughs> like, like like how are you yeah. operating well, and if you're operating profitably profitably like that imagine how much better it can be if you simply adopted some technology and you know and 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 took it to the next level exactly the uh the altman wheel report in 2019 uh law firms in transition said that the that law firms have always risen to the occasion, but only when they were forced to. Well, of course, in 2019, we were forced to. And so on the upside of, of the, the, the tragedy that was the pandemic or is, however you want to look at it, uh, we did see technolo uh, technology make a huge push into the legal industry, and it had to. And so the, the, the thesis in the Altman Wheel report was, we can do hard things. We just have to be a little bit more aggressive about it. And this influx of, of new talent in the legal industry, I think, will, will push that agenda in seeing that 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 service industries do do get there. You made such a great point in your intro when you were talking about the solo practitioner. Certainly, I mean, I used to go to a dentist in his house. You know, he had the little side office door. Yep. That doesn't exist anymore because you can't compete. And what we are helping law firms do when we come in with our technology solutions and our data-driven strategies is we're helping folks compete with some of those bigger uh, firms. You know, we're seeing mergers across this industry like crazy. And mm -hmm. there's tremendous 
learning in that if we step back and look at what's happening, not just in our own industry, but in other industries, they push toward technology and automation well ahead of, of the legal industry. They merge. And you know what that merger is about more than anything, Moshe? It's about the data. If we have more data, we can make better decisions. And if you're one guy signing seven cases a month, it's going to be really hard to make data-driven decisions. But if you partner with seven attorneys and now all of a sudden you've got 60 cases a month, now we can start to see trends. We can identify where our strongest lead sources are, referral partners. We can start to make decisions that move the needle and help us compete with some of those larger folks. So what we've seen happen in other industries is happening in legal. And I'm not going to lie, Moshe, part of why I have invested so much time in the legal industry in the last 10 years is that I am always a day late and a dollar short. And I have been looking at all this stuff happening and I, and I knew the legal industry was a slow mover, generally speaking. And I said, hey, we can do this in the legal industry because they're not there yet. And it's the God's honest truth. When we meet at, at conferences and we talk about things that other industries have been doing for years, I kind of feel like I'm bringing something shiny and new. And, and, and that's where the legal industry needs to focus on what is what is new for us is really not that new. So that's that it means it's not as costly. It's well tested. We have a track record that we can bring to law firms. And so there's far less risk in adopting some of the things that we need to focus on now. And that is obviously uh, technology automation and data, 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 data. Yeah, I want to I want to dive into the data piece of it, but I'm going to table that for a moment because. I'm sitting here always when I'm when I'm doing these interviews, I, I'm always trying to think like when somebody's listening to this, what are the questions they're coming up mm -hmm. with? And there's a few a few things that I want to layer together into one question or or one idea and then get your opinion on it. First, the the biggest obstacle for the legal industry and the advancement of the industry is the bar associations and the their unwillingness to move forward and to do things differently. Uh, I mean, you just look at advertising as an example, you know, like it's only in the last 15, 20 years. 1977 was when they first could uh, actually advertise. Right. But even then it was very limited on what they can do. It's only right. in, in, the, in the last 20 years or so that it really opened up and, and, and now they're, you know, they're able to pretty much participate in in almost all marketing campaigns even then mm -hmm. i mean there's so many times where you're like okay this is what i think i should do wait let me go back and read the rules and make sure i'm not Absolutely. violating them right yeah. um you know and even simple stuff like this is attorney advertising on everything that you put mm -hmm. out there um and that that stronghold that they have and 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 lack of critical thinking um is really is really an impediment to the overall growth of the industry. Then we go to the small law firm owner, right? And and that's really who like my audience is not somebody working in in a in, in a major law firm. It's it's either a solo practitioner or somebody who's built their firm to three four attorneys, uh, you know. And maybe I have mm -hmm. somebody with fifty attorneys listening. I don't know, but most of the people listening to the show are in that really small law firm category. And when you start painting the picture of, well, 
you know, you need data and data requires it's it's almost like we're about to do a marketing test. Right. And I'm going to try physically mailing something for our upcoming law firm growth summit, which, by the way, I don't know when this is airing. It's it might even it's probably airing after the summit. So you probably missed it. But in, in case it's not in case this airs before December 5th, lawfirmgrowthsummit.com is where you go to to register. If it's after that, you can go to there and get on the wait list for the next one. Um, but our summit is a three day virtual conference. And one of the things we're doing is we're testing physically mailing uh, promotion to uh, to attorneys to register. And, you know, we've we've got our our digital marketing campaign dialed in, but that has actually declined over time because of iOS restrictions and things like that, where we we have a harder time finding our audience and marketing to them. So we're actually going back to snail mail and testing that. Mm -hmm. And we're testing it with like this video card thing that yes. we're sending so they get a package if somebody gets a package in the mail they're opening it whether even oh, it's the it's shock like and all mail, right so they're going to open it and they're going to open it. it's going to be a video of me telling them about the event and we hope that that's going to move the needle on registrations but we have to send enough units to be able to extrapolate data from it right if we send Absolutely. 10 of them and nobody registers it doesn't mean that it won't work it just means we sent it to the wrong 10 if right. we send it to 100 of them and 10 people register, then we might start to be able to say, well, it's about 10% conversion rate, right? But the reality is it's only 100. It's still a very small test. Small sample, yeah. Did we send it to the wrong geography? Did we send it to the wrong, the, just the wrong set of law firms? So there, there is a number, and I don't know what the number is, but there is a number of these that we need to send out to be able to actually derive a mm -hmm. result from the test that we're running. So your your point of the law firm who's bringing in you know four or five clients a month versus a group of attorneys who are bringing in sixty clients a month um, makes a big difference in how you can understand your market, understand where your where your clients are coming from, and how you can improve your your process. You can start to understand where your where you're losing them along the way. Like, is it, is, you know, could we do a better job in show ups? Could we do a better job in our conversion from consult to client? But it's hard to extrapolate that data with the small quantity. Yeah. And this is a very long winded question here, but <laughs> here's the question Is the only solution for a law firm owner to start looking to, to connect and partner with other firms to make a larger firm in order to solve this problem? Or are there other potential solutions to yeah, this I, I to don't get think to that... the point where we have data? Right. And I, I, I don't think that, that that's the imperative, Moshe. I, I think um, there are many different business models. Um, and there are certainly, I think, <laughs> plenty of attorneys uh, can remember the Matthew McConaughey movie when he's that tireless Mississippi lawyer. Uh, he's a one man shop and he puts blood, sweat and tears, lots of sweat <laughs> in summer in Mississippi um, into into that case. And if I, I certainly think that there is still room in this industry for that attorney. Um, it's a different model, though, than operating a business, a, a practice as a growth driven business. And so if what you're looking for is a growth driven business, you know, we come in and, and say, well, there are growth strategies here. Uh, you certainly can buy a practice, you can merge with other partners, uh, you can you can do marketing campaigns if you want to invest capital. So there are lots of growth strategies that that are on the table uh, for for a small practitioner. 
But I think the, 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 when it comes to data, what, what every attorney needs to acknowledge right now is that this is happening. This is not something we can ignore. Um, if you think to the things you wish you had started earlier, uh, maybe getting a website, getting a case management system, um, using local service ads. If you think of all the things that, gosh, I wish we had just started that at the very beginning, SEO, um, this is going to be one of them, managing your data. Uh, and so the beautiful thing about data is it has this compounding effect. And I'm a compound junkie. I never let a babysitter in my house without teaching them the importance of, of compounding because it's such an important lesson to learn. The tiny little things that we do grow over time. The impact of those tiny little things have a substantially greater impact over time. So whether it's saving for retirement or collecting data, we need to start. We need to start now. So if there's anything anyone can take away from this conversation today, I think it's that you need to adapt a data-driven mindset and begin, you need to adapt a data-driven mindset and begin where you are. Start now, we'll get you somewhere. Yeah, and I, I really like that um, that idea of compounding. First of all, I'm a numbers guy, so it's right up my alley, right? I love <laughs> love that, and and the idea of of retirement planning being the example, right? Um, and and there's all these examples that that financial professionals try to imbue on their clients, which is, you know, if you look at somebody who just started putting away a thousand dollars a year when they're 20, and then somebody who just starts saving for retirement at 45. The person who started when they were twenty with a thousand dollars, you know, a year, whatever that's gonna, you know, let's say they end up with a million dollars of retirement. For somebody who starts at forty-five to end up with a million dollars of retirement, they have to start saving thirty or forty thousand dollars a year. So it's like, you know, all of that happens is because the. And by the way, don't quote me on those numbers. I just threw them out. I didn't. Actually yeah. <laughs> I, well, um, one of my favorite presentations ever to give to my babysitters over the years, though, was on compounding interest. I mean, it is it is incredible. Start as, as little as it is, start early. And that's the message when it comes to just about everything. If the things that we do feel like they're not moving the needle enough, just imagine if you kept doing them for 10 years. It's one of my business partner's favorite things to remind me. We overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in 10. So this concept of just that, you know, that 1%, that 1% compounded over time can have a dramatic, uh, a dramatic effect on your business. And it is a business. And I think that, you know, back to the to the question, you know, should that solo attorney partner up? Um, certainly we're in this moment of time where we're seeing a ton of mergers in the industry. Um, I don't think it's the only solution, but I think that attorneys need to be very clear when they set out their 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 master plan for their business and their their life, their career. What am I looking to do? Am I looking to create a growth? business or am I looking for a lifestyle business? And you'll find attorneys who 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 want both, uh, who who want those two different things. Um, I think it should be something very intentional. The, the idea of having these vision, mission kind of planning meetings, if you have a partner or even just sitting down with yourself, I don't think we can underestimate the value of that in, in designing a life that we enjoy living and, and, and has purpose. Yeah. I, you know what? The truth is, is that I think that um... You know, people people can achieve that level of success in many different ways. And you're highlighting the fact that even growing your law firm can happen in many different ways. There isn't a one size fits all. I want to go back to the data conversation and, uh, you know, ask some questions there, because 
uh, the first thing to, the first thing to understand is, is what data are we talking about right are we are we talking about intake data are we talking about um uh, a um, efficiency of usage of resources in the firm um are we talking about growth, profitability, revenue, you know, financial yeah. numbers, what, what are the, what's the data points that, that we're referring sure. to? Um, and then I've got stuff off of there. Sure. Well, okay. I think that's a great question because, and, and one that I grappled with the word data has, has actually been like on my radar, I'd say for maybe the last eight years, um, when we all had iPhones that, uh, you had to manage your data, um, that was, you know, my kids would be fussing at me. I'm out of data. Don't call me. I'm out of data. So I, I kind of thought, like, what is this data? Data? What is this data thing? And and there are plenty of people, I'm sure, in this audience too, that that are still there. What is this thing about data? Data is basically the the, the little trail of digital footprints we leave everywhere we go. And one of the most fascinating statistics in the industry is that 90 percent, 90 percent of the world's data has been created in just the last two years. So this is new, this idea that we are collecting vast amounts of information. One of the best ways you can think about data is, uh, and, and actually Moshe, it goes to your snail mail sample size. Um, if you were, were headed into elections, if you listen to election night, they'll say the projected winner is. And what they mean is we've collected enough data that we can reasonably project who the winner is going to be based on the trend lines. And that's when, when you're asking the question, what, you know, what data are we collecting? The answer is all of it. We're collecting data about when the phone rings, where the calls come from, how long they're on the phone, what time of day is most active, um, how much a case costs, how much a case is worth to us. And when we gather all this information, like what we have now is just data, and we layer on meaning, with which I, you know, there's a, a whole new role that's becoming one of the most valuable professions out there. It's called a data translator. This is someone with deep, meaningful company knowledge and the understanding of how data works. And if you look online for data translator courses, these are booming because this is where, uh, where what business needs. Businesses need people who aren't mathematicians and data scientists, but people who can look at your aggregated data and give you insights, give you the business intelligence that's going to help you make better business-driven, uh, data-driven decisions. So when I sit with a firm and say, what what kind of data driven decisions you should be making we're talking about the return on ad spend the the source of your highest value leads the closing rate of your team how many times do i need to make the phone ring to get an actual opportunity how many opportunities do i need to sign a new client have i reached a level of market saturation have i reached the 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 the, the point of diminishing returns in my ad spend where is my brand strongest where do i need to to improve my brand perception is my outsource team performing better than my in-house team these are all data points if we're collecting them and centralizing that data in a way that we can make meaning out of it. And that's the thing that I think most firms are going to struggle with is, you know, I talk a lot about this data journey, whether you know it or not, you're on a data journey and you're going to look back in five, 10 years and, and you'll see where you are at that point and wish you had started somewhere. The starting here today is I get it. Data is something I need to be focused on. I don't know where to begin, but it's on my radar. 
if you move to that next level, you, you recognize the value and you're collecting data. And most of the people listening to this podcast already are doing just that. They have some sort of CMS, some sort of CRM, a case management system, a client relationship system. You have QuickBooks, whatever it is that your, your call rail, you're, you're tracking stuff all over the place. That, that, that's where you're collecting data, but maybe making isolated decisions because all this data is siloed. It's financial data, it's marketing data, it's intake data. What you want to get to is when this data can be pulled from all these sources, layered on top of each other so that there's real meaning in that data. So that not only do I know what happened, I know why it happened, I think I know what's gonna happen next, and I can position myself to make the most of that opportunity. That's where we want to help firms get. Yeah, I love that. And um, it's very, very interesting because it's something that I focus on a lot in, in my coaching program with my clients is, um, is, is analyzing this specific data and making decisions off of it. Um, and your, your point of the, the small sample size really comes to light in a lot of what we do because they, they don't have enough there to be able to, to be able to, to draw firm conclusions, but there is enough there to be able to get a feeling, right? Like if, even if you only have 20 leads coming in a month and you end up with two clients, you know that you have a 10% conversion rate of leads. It might not be a true 10% if you, if you went to a hundred or a thousand and looked at your results, but it is enough for you to be able to now look at the steps along the way and say, okay, we're converting at this stage at 20% and this stage at 50%. So if we just raise the 20% to 50%, we'd have that much more at the end. It's uh, better than going it. on gut. It's better than going on gut. I mean, that, that, that's the thing here is one of the, I think it's Michael Gerber, great line that says, um, when, when you're making decisions without data, you will either be wrong or lucky. And and really, you know, that's that's a very hard mindset. Oh, right, right. It's possible. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the lucky you part, could right? Be like right, it, but it, it would be a lucky move. Luck, you know, right. You're, you're right. And I think that that's a very hard mindset for many attorneys to adapt to because they have been told, they have been trained to use their judgment. Mm -hmm. That is part of a lawyer's training is to interpret and judge. And so they're not used to doing that with numbers. They're used to doing that with words. And so I think it's very typical for an attorney to go with gut. That's what that's what they're good at. But when we see that when, when we have data, then then we really can make much better decisions. We want we want attorneys to layer their deep knowledge of their of their practice into those data-driven insights. But when you combine the two, you'll have such a better outcome. Um, Jim Barksdale, one of my absolute most favorite data quotes is if we have the data, let's let's go with the data. If all we have are decisions, let's go with mine. Excuse me, opinions, gosh. If all we have are opinions, let's go with mine. And I think that that says it all right there. You know, use what we have to make the best decisions. And I know most attorneys out there are to some extent using their data. So the, the, the next move for the firms that are going to be the growth models, the, the firms of the future, these are the ones that are, are, are centralizing their data. They're pulling it from all these various sources. They're visualizing it. It's getting sucked into a, a single dashboard that the data translator, this person in your firm who recognizes the, the value of data, understands the company, and can 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 
garner meaning from what they're looking at will help the firm make the decisions that are going to propel growth. You know, it's interesting that, you know, we, we came around it to this place of a dashboard um, and I'm just looking up real quick on our, our website. I used to be able to throw these episode numbers out like mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Um, you have more data. But uh, yeah, exactly. We're over 300 <laughs> episodes and now I can't exactly. say, oh, it was episode number 27. Uh, yes. We In episode 144, we had Mike Morse on the podcast and Mike oh, yeah. talked about, he talked about this idea of a dashboard. He called it, you need a jumbotron for your office, right? Like if you're in a stadium, there's a jumbotron where they're, they're put showing you, Absolutely. The, you know, exactly what's going on in the game and you know, how many, who scored and, and what the, you know, they're giving you all the statistics and um, you need a jumbotron for, for your law firm. Um, to be able to look at the numbers and know what's happening at all point at all at at all times. The interesting thing is, is that most practice management systems are not created from the viewpoint of providing the data. And even and, and even worse than that, I mean, if we're looking at the intake side of it, most practice management systems are not designed for intake. I mean, that's why we oh, have automatics no, no, no. and, um, yeah. and, and Lexicada, which was bought by Clio and is now Clio grow, um, because they're designed specifically to handle the intake side, the CRM side, the, you know, f- before they become a client, um, right. which, you know, even that, like it, it's almost like the, the technology in the legal industry was created out of necessity and not out of vision. And we have to get to that point of vision. Brilliantly said. And the problem right now is, is that it, it becomes very difficult for a law firm owner to recognize how to extrapolate the data and put it into meaningful context. And yeah. Um, and that's a big challenge. I mean, we had at our last law firm growth summit, we had law KPIs was mm-hmm. one of our sponsors and they created a technology tool to start pulling that information and turning it into KPI dashboards for you. And I don't know enough about the product to, to know what it does and, yeah. and or to know how it works and which systems it works with. But I know that most of the practice management systems today, when you want the data, you're going to have to run reports, count numbers manually, things like that. And, you know, or, you know, use Excel and extrapolate it from there. Um, and it's time consuming. And, and that's what we consider the, the third step of that journey is I, I, I'm, I'm collecting data. And like I said, most of the firms listening here are collecting data. It's a matter of centralizing it. And that's what we do. We build these dashboards so that you have that Jumbotron on your desk, you can print out the reports to send to whoever you want to send to, but we're connecting all the dots between that unstructured data, which is just out there as little points in time, and pulling it into a centralized location that we can use to now make sense of it. And if you're really interested in in building a growth practice, it's really motivating to have those KPIs, those key performance indicators, set the goals, set set a... a, a, uh, a scale toward reaching those goals. You know, I talk a lot about building systems and we focus on the five T. Every system is built on the five T. Teams, tools, tactics, targets, and tracking. Where are we going and are, did we get there? You know, we, we have to know where we're going. So if we if we work with a client, and I'll tell you, Moshe, I, we have built our own software for it, for the purpose of connecting marketing and intake. The value in connecting your marketing and intake data in an integrated fashion 
is going to enable the firm to, to source the, the highest value leads at the lowest cost. So we, we built that system. Data was the outcome of that system that we now said, wow, this is incredible. Let's, let's put the financial data on top of the intake data on top of the marketing data. And so now we have the system where we're evaluating marketing, intake, and finance all in a single platform. And if you're trying to compel growth, that is highly motivating. Uh, losing weight is exciting, right? Stepping on the scale and seeing it's gone down, or if you're trying to build muscle, mm -hmm. seeing it's gone up, it's really motivating. Maintaining weight is really boring because it's just not that exciting to see that you, you haven't moved the needle, literally. Right. When you build that dashboard for your company, for your firm, you now have that scale to get on every morning and it's incredibly motivating. We see the impact it has on teams. We see the impact that it has on firms. Having targets, tracking progress toward those targets, having the ability to make decisions based on real data insights, this is where the exciting growth is. And the firms that embrace that, 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 that bring someone like us in to, to source all these data, centralize it and visualize it, it's going to make for a very exciting practice. Yeah, I think it's even more than that, right? Like, it's great to be able to ma ma monitor it and it's great to be able to see the progress. But what we've been able to do with our clients is to help them to create a reward system for their employees based Absolutely. on hitting those metrics. And you talked earlier in this episode about the fact that people are going to work much harder when they're working for themselves than when they're working for somebody else. And when they know that I have an outcome that, uh, that if I hit that outcome, or if we collectively hit that outcome, I'm going to benefit my, personally, whether it's financially or some other incentive, um, that is going to motivate me so much more and get me involved so much more in the process. And one of and the it's things gonna build a, it's going to build a better firm too, though, Moshe. Like in, in, in addition to that individual data on any team member, you know, what their conversion rate rate may be, you're also identifying where your weaknesses are, which give you training opportunities and the ability to go sure up the foundations of your system. So if you can see, wow, we're doing a great job, except for, well, Friday afternoons, you know, well, what can we do to really incentivize people to keep their head in the game on Friday afternoons? You know, it when you have the data, it is the the insight that you need to, to make improvements to your practice. So I don't think that this is just about, ooh, cool, pretty little dashboard. Let me look up at the Dumbo, Jumbotron just to see where I am. That's not the point. It's to look at that dashboard and say, what do I need to do now? And I think that that's, you know, the, the things that excite about that excite me as a business owner are learning from that data to go, ooh, you know what we should do? Because, you know, you were saying about that, that firm that maybe they only signed two cases. When you look back over the year though, you can say, wow, wait, we sign two cases almost every month, except every October, we sign five. So what's going on in October and what are we doing differently? Oh, well, you know what? We always sponsor the back to school campaign and, and uh, we're at the, the community fall festivals all, all fall long. And wow, look at how that affects us. So even a little bit of data is going to be better than none at all. Yeah, absolutely. And um I, I we can we can keep talking for a while. We're almost out of time. I, I do have I do have a couple of questions about stuff that sure. we talked about. So one of the things that you mentioned is the this idea of tracking your data not from the lead, but from the marketing. Oh um gosh. And, yeah. and the you know, the marketing effort initiative that you're taking. And this is something that law firms really struggle with. And I'm wondering like 
have you solved this problem? Because Absolutely. you don't always know where the lead is coming from, right? Like Absolutely. So most people, so, their solution is to ask when the lead comes. Oh, where how'd you hear about us? Right. And everyone's answer is, well, uh, Google, right. Like, oh, yeah, because before they called you, no matter where they heard of you from, they Googled you. So that's like the, exactly. the, the automatic response. Um, so what is the. Yeah. So what's if, the if solution we, and and how are you fixing this and and, sure. and navigating it? So it, if you're working with a marketing company, you can just about assume or for, for sure that they are data driven. You know, you were saying you're a numbers guy. Anybody who has any experience with marketing is is numbers driven. The disconnect, though, between marketing and intake is where we as as a consulting firm found a tremendous gap. And that's what we needed to solve for. So in the same way you were saying, and, and actually, Moshe, I'm not sure if it was before or after we started recording the podcast, but you'd had a client who didn't even have a case management system. We are bringing to firms a system now that gives the same order a case management system gave to running a file. We're giving that same order and structure to intake, but we're, we've connected it directly to marketing. So that based on a phone number that's been called or a click a link that's been clicked, it's immediately tagging that information. The lead management system is giving every team member on the intake team a really comprehensive tool. It's got the automations built in, the, the ability to mark things, one lost, abandoned, referred. And that information is immediately fed back to the marketing team. And that disconnect is why we've always told marketing teams, we make marketing look good. If you think you're doing a good job as a marketing firm because you've had a 25% on-page conversion, you're feeling great about it. But that doesn't mean that the law firm has closed those clients. And that disconnect going into those meetings is profound. I went to a meeting a couple of weeks ago, really not very happy. Uh, we'd had a, a campaign that had been running successfully. All of a sudden this month, there were 25 leads from this specific campaign and not one close. Meanwhile, the marketing team came to that very same meeting saying, hey, wow, campaign's doing great, 25 leads. That disconnect is so important. You have to close the loop. And that's the name of our software tool that, that we bring into law firms. It's called Loop. The goal being to close the loop between intake and marketing, to close the loop between lead and client, and to close the loop between client and advocate that drives new business into the firm. And how do we do that, Moshe? It's technology. It's technology and automation. And when you build a system, and, and I'm, I'm pleased to say we do this with firms of every shape and size. We literally have solos and giant New York City firms on our software. We are able to connect the dots within the technology so that the information is being directly fed to the marketing team. And again, that's going to help us justify the, the budgets, position the budget accordingly, and plan for strategic growth. Meaning we can look at the data, look at the trends and say, here's what we've seen, here's how we're going to use that input to make a decision based on the conditions that we currently see. And that's where the really exciting stuff happens. I love it. And I love the energy that you bring to I know, the table around it, this it topic. Is, it's like, it's, you it's, can tell. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's it is catchy a passion. for sure. It, it, it's a passion. And, and I, I really do get incredibly excited about it because like I said, 
historically, we are not the fastest moving industry, but we have worked out the kinks. In this, in this example, I think it's great to be one of the latecomers. The technology related to tracking, automation, integrations between technologies, it's all there. You just need someone to come in and connect the dots for you. And if you do make that in, in upfront investment, you'll be able to run a practice. And this is another Michael Gerber quote, the, you need to let the systems run the business, let the people run the systems, which means that there's this cadence to the way every single day is going to go. We know exactly the process that's going to be followed. And if we lose employees, we can pick that little cog out and put someone else in and not lose a step. That's when the when when a when a practice is truly optimized. Yeah, I love it. And um, you know, I we're we're out of time, so we're going to give you an opportunity to wrap up. Um, but mm. this is really a, a a topic that we need to talk about more. And and perhaps we you know in the future we have you back again for for another episode oh, where we dive in you, deeper. Um, but you know, like even the example that you gave with you know, hey, we the marketing team is excited. They brought in 25 leads, but we had zero closes. Now we have to look at that and start to figure out what happened, right? Yeah, was it poor exactly. quality leads or was it a problem or is it a problem with or the is sales it a problem team? with intake? Exactly. Right. And and that's, you know, my 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 career path uh, in, in the legal industry has been a bit circuitous because I keep moving further down the funnel. You know, marketing is, is exciting, but when you start looking at why marketing isn't resulting in the outcomes, you end up in intake. And when you really get into intake, you start looking at the data. And so I keep moving a little further down the funnel to get at the core of what is going to make a business grow. And I do think it's incredibly exciting. When, when marketing is is successful, quote unquote successful. They 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 are seeing those clicks, and, and a lot of the things that happen online are very very measurable. So that's great. But if they if the law firm isn't converting, then we have to take a deeper dive into intake. And I really uh, I'll give myself a shameless plug here, Moshe uh, at CarrieJames.co/resources. We have tremendous resources to improve your intake because if you want to grow, stop pointing a finger at the marketing team and focus on intake. There's a lot to be done there. Um, we we have online workshops and in-person workshops to really focus firms on improving their intake. And that means building a system that is going to convert leads to clients. I love it. And um, folks, you know how I normally close out shows. Carrie jumped the gun for me. She's already <laughs> given you given you where to go. So go to get kerryjames.co forward slash resources. We'll link that up in the show notes for you. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Uh, one last question for you, Carrie, before you go. Sure. Um, if you had one parting piece of advice, piece of wisdom for our listeners, uh, law firm of any shape or size, uh, what would that be? I'm going to go with adopt a data-driven mindset. This is not going anywhere. Uh, this is where the winners, and, and and gosh, if we do this again, Moshe, I mean, the, the data on the companies that have uh, owned the last decade, they are all data-driven. Look at Amazon, how it dominates over everything else. Look at the data that they have, how they can tease us with the things they think we're going to like. Same thing with Netflix. I can tell you a thousand stories of how data is winning. So adopt the mindset that you're going to trust the data. You're going to look at the data, listen to the data. You're going to begin today because I promise you five years from now, you're going to wish that you had started sooner. And again, in that, that data mindset, I want to be very uh, respectful of the attorney training. 
I'm so grateful for the many well-trained, heartfelt attorneys out there who have developed their judgment uh, to, to really put some value behind what they're seeing in the data, but don't dismiss the data. Let the data drive the business. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's been a great conversation, folks. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of the Profit With Law podcast, and this is your first time listening to us, make sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so that you get notified every time we release a new episode. Uh, we have a new episode that comes out every single week, every Thursday. We have a, another amazing guest interview. Uh, really excited about um, what we have coming your way and what we've produced in the past. You have well over 300 episodes to binge on. Uh, go back and listen to uh, some of our oldies book goodies um, and uh, and the new stuff that's coming out. So make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Uh, we also, if you're on our marketing list, uh, which you can sign up for at ProfitWithLaw.com, uh, we also send out a weekly newsletter where our team is, is pulling out an old episode um, that has gotten some significant results as far as uh, listener traffic and letting you know, hey, go listen to this one. This is one you might have missed that is really good for you to listen to. Um, is that data-driven, Moshe? It is. It is data-driven. Look at the data. It tells you which yep. one people want to know about. See that? Yep. Um, unfortunately, we are manually compiling that data. So there's somebody on my okay. team every single week, once a week goes in and updates the download information, um, all, the, all that good stuff. And we have uh, something that we look at in our weekly team meeting every single week, um, specifically for the podcast, but for a lot of other things that we do, um, everything is, you know, um, for us, it's it's manually created, but we have dashboards we look at uh, to see how we're doing and to make sure we're trending in the right direction. So if we suddenly see a dip in downloads uh, over the course of a month, we can quickly do a promotion um, and 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 push the word on the podcast to keep the momentum going um, instead of just hoping uh, for the best. So uh, we're always keeping our, our finger on the pulse of the growth of the show uh, in that way. Um, you know, and and then you know, to your point, like we, we need to understand what the show does for us, right? Does, does it bring us direct leads? Does it uh, allow leads to convert because they've been listening to us for long enough that now they're ready when, as soon as the offer is out there, they're ready to buy. Uh, but all of that information needs to kind of be analyzed and, you know, make sure that we're not wasting our time, right? Like what, what's the purpose of the show if it doesn't get people to take action? Uh, so we, we want to stay on top of that. We want to make sure that we're doing a good job here. Um, so yes, examples of data in use. Um, didn't even think about that, but that's, you yeah. know, the truth is, is we are, we are doing that, uh, but it'd be really cool if we had a tool to do you that. Can, for exactly. Us. You can connect the dots. I believe no. it. Awesome. Uh, and uh, one last thing, we thrive on uh, reviews just like your law firm does. So if you go into, if you have uh, uh, an iPhone, um, you go into your podcast app, look up Profit With Law, the podcast, give us a reading and review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, I, there, the other podcast players don't actually have a rating and review system, uh, but if yours does, uh, please rate us and review on your platform. Otherwise, you can also just find us on, on iTunes on the web um, and leave us a rating and review that way. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you can take just a few minutes, show us some love, uh, even if you don't have nice things to say. We want it. We want we want the, the information out there of, of you know, what is the show about when people are scrolling through trying to figure out what are they going to listen to next we want them to stop and pay attention 
to the Profit With Love podcast. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode and uh, we have amazing shows to come. So uh, stay tuned and we'll see you next week. Take care. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.